everyone. Welcome to another episode of Game of Life with Dan and Harmon. Very excited to have our first beer brewer in today. Uh Why don't you introduce yourself? G'day. So my name's Asher Hall. Um, I brew at Stomping Ground Brewery. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm the head brewer there. I've been the head brewer there since we first opened in 2016. And I'm here today to talk to you. Thank you. So, so talk us through a day in the life of a brewer. brewer. Right. And how did you get started in brewing? I'll start there, I think. Um, I, and I've used this a few times, but I've, I've stolen this term off the guy who trained me mm-hmm. how to brew, uh, Andrew Gow, who uh, is down at um, Tar Barrel now in Mornington. But I fell into it. Mm. So I was working at a bar in Wollongong. Uh, the bar is called used to be called the Five Islands Brewing Company mm-hmm. and that was underneath the stadium. Uh, I'd worked in pubs at that point all through my uni career, uni career, uni, <laughs> uni studies <laughs> uni. Uh, yeah. in Canberra and um, then I moved on to Wollongong to study engineering and got along really, all, really well with the brewer who was Andrew and one day he said, oh, do you want to come over and sit in on a brew or fill some kegs? And I did that and after a couple of months he said, oh, do you want to work over mm-hmm. there instead of in the bar? And I was pretty keen on that. I was pretty keen to get out of the bar. Not that I didn't like serving people or, you know, just the customer experience, but um, at that time there'd been a few fairly rough incidents in the bar and I thought, bugger this. I'd broken my leg uh, trying to play Aussie Rules, which was the first and last time I ever tried to play. (laughs) And there was a huge fight at the pub one night Mm -hmm. and I had a knee brace on and I got pushed up against the window with, you know, a big stack of glasses and the guy pushed me up, sort of turned around, looked at me blood dripping down his face and I said, man, I've got a leg brace on, can I just get past? Mm. And I got past and the fight continued but I thought after that, well, uh, I don't really want to work in here anymore. Yeah, so. no, fair. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, and, and one thing led to another. So finished engineering, I did uh, environmental engineering. I worked in my final year as a civil engineer um, as well as still studying and, and brewing but by the end of it, it was pretty clear that I didn't really want to sit behind a desk the yeah. whole time. So um, I, I liked, I'd, I'd work in summer in particular. I was working in the office throughout the day and I'd do about eight hours there roughly and then go straight down to work and mm. brew at night. And so I was doing massive days. But by the end of the brewing shift, at you know, it'd be 11 or 12 at night, mm. I was pumped. I was ha- I was loving it. And then I'd get up in the morning at, you know, seven, mm. go back to the engineering place and I'd be like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah. But, as soon as I finished and went down to work, I was like, yeah, sweet, I'm brewing again. Mm. So, I, yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty... <laughs> it's funny how people stumble upon so many random things and then they find what they actually like and mm. then you just happen to just, you know, fall onto one thing and you're like, yep, that's it. What was it about brewing that spoke so highly to you? Was that the science behind it or just... Like- yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, the creativity as well because mm. a big part of it in craft beer is uh, creativity and mm. I... <laughs> Mm. admittedly I probably used to be way more enthusiastic about doing wild and wacky things than I am now but um, I still love it and I still really enjoy recipe design and um, trying new things but mm. uh, le- so a lot less of the wacky. We can can we call you beer scientist? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. You could if you want to. <laughs> I, got, I got friends who brew and you sort of don't realise the science I guess that goes behind yeah. a brew. What mm. can, can you talk us through what, what goes into a brew? Yeah, like a well, proper one, not one that you get with a Cooper's kit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's that's how I actually started. Um, yeah, I started that. I sort of have friends who brew, and I started that way too. But it's a very sort of basic, I guess, way like of, of brewing. Kit. Yeah, like a starter mm. kit. Explain to me what a starter kit is, just so I have an idea. It's I can, it's basically half the job yeah. of brewing yeah. is done for you in that yeah. starter kit. 
So okay. when and 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 then when you basically just add hot water to it and maybe some hops mm. and yeast, it's like definitely yeast. Noodle soup, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I mean, it's it's good wort extract. So it's mm. the sugars that are extracted from the grain. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it, and um, you, people brew really nice beers with mm. it. But for me, the the most interesting part of the job is the getting the graining and basically turning it into something that uh, you drink in a glass. Mm. Mm. So if you look at a handful of grain and then you look at the finished product in beer, I mean, and, you know, you put hops and yeast in there as well. You don't really, to make that connection, that was really cool and that was the most interesting part for me and the thing I love doing daily. So mm. crushing the grain, steeping it, extracting the wort, you know, clarifying mm. it, extracting it and boiling it and, you know, putting it in a nice clean environment that you can add yeast to that, you know, will then turn it into something magical. Or think? terrible, depending on what. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you think? Do you do you reckon that people on everyday life who drink beer know how it's actually made? Or they're just drinking it. I don't think I ever did before I started. You know, You'd connecting know that, with friends who actually brewed. Yeah. Did you know that it came from grain or the? Oh, I knew it came from grain, yeah. but I didn't know what sort of went went behind yes. an actual brew like when it got to like if, mashing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Let's yeah. open. A can and let's, can we just dive into <laughs> that you know like a little story like this is how it's actually made from point A to point Z. Great. Let's start with the Gip Street Pale, yeah, which okay. is our flagship beer. Oh, do you want me to get? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Sweet. So we're not going to be drinking out of glasses with these straight out of the tin. Gips Street Pale Ale. What is a pale ale? I, I look. I know, but I don't know. Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so it's a lightly coloured beer, so it can be from gold to amber, basically, like depending on the. Mm. There's a lot to do with style categories, but something that's you know gold to amber that is has, you know, a, an element of yeast character to it, but not always important. If it's an English style, you need yeast character. Talk to me, I'm like I'm three year old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's and it's hot, you know, it's, it's fruity, hoppy, has. A level of bitterness, but oh, not, wow. not that you might expect from, um, you know, an IPA perhaps, which is more bitter. Okay. Just on Jeez, the sorry, had a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> so very first beer that we brewed at Stomping Ground when we opened, or well before we oh, actually wow. opened the venue, in March of 2016 was this beer, and I'd done it. I'd done something like it down at Mornington because I was working at Mornington mm. under um, under Andrew Gow who had taught me how to brew in Wollongong many years before. And I'd had to scale it up and, or scale it down basically from that recipe. So I did it on a 10 heck and then did it on a bigger batch and then did it mm. again somewhere in between on, on our system. And the recipe has changed a little bit in that time. The overall flavour of the beer hasn't changed. I've just um, altered some of the ingredients, not the yeast and... Um, Whatnot, but the malt base malt. Oh god, I'm probably going to go too weird <laughs> no, here. No, I should, no, I should. Go for it. Uh, so, you know, beer is made up of four things: mm. malt. Okay, how is how does a beer start from the grain, of course? From the grain, yeah. yes. So that's your malt. That's your sugar source. Uh, you've got to you could you can make beer straight from barley, but barley needs to be malted. And I won't go into malting because I'm not great at explaining it. I mm. kind of understand the process pretty well, mm. but. Um, there are plenty of molsters out there. Maybe you should get one in one day that would sure, <laughs> yeah. get uh, it'd be perhaps a little bit dry for most people. But it's a really interesting process. So um, you've got to convert the the starches that are in that grain into mm. a soluble sugar. 
mm-hmm. and that's what we do in brewing. So we crush the grain, mm-hmm. uh, mix it with hot water and some water minerals, so some calcium sulfate, calcium chloride and carbonate, depending on what your overall salt makeup you want it to be, um, and then let it steep at anywhere between 62 degrees and sort of 70 degrees. It really depends. Cook it basically. Not so much cook it. You don't want to cook it because you'll, you won't will get the sugars out, but it is, it's like steeping it. So mm. it's like making a tea if you want to put it that uh, way or making a coffee because you don't boil coffee and you sort don't of, boil yeah, tea brewing, leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you steep it, uh, let it sit for – conversion usually takes place so those starches will convert into a sugar and a soluble sugar in a matter of 15 minutes but we always give it about 45. Yeah. Uh, the mechanism for them to convert is a thing called an enzyme so its only function is to convert starches, break it up into um, sugars. So I won't go too sciencey on here, but basically starches are long carbon chains. Yeah. So they're basically what they call polysaccharides, mm-hmm. so multiple um, links of glucose. Yeah. A starch comes in and will snip off smaller sugars. Easy so it will make mono- monosaccharides, or mm-hmm. which is glucose, or it will make maltose, which has got two saccharides in it. Those sugars then are fermentable, but the starch itself isn't highly fermentable, so mm. it, it won't make much alcohol. So the more of those sugars you bust off, um, the more alcohol you're going to get or the more sugar you're going to get in your, in your liquid. And they the best range that they can work in is between that 62 and sort of 70, depending on the enzyme that you're looking for and depending on the type of sugar you're trying to get out. Hmm. How does the beer, sorry, alcohol level work? Is that that step where you can make a difference yes yeah it is so if you ferment if you steep at a lower temperature you'll have more fermentability mm. so which means which means the sugars will become there'll be more basic sugars mm. so your glucose and your and your maltose you'll get more of those out because the enzymes that work better at that temperature range are the ones that denature mm. the starch into those sugars if you go at the higher range up to close to 70 uh, you'll have more residual sugar which will leave you with a sweeter beer Mm. And so less alcohol. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. To put it very simply. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's the next? So what's happening after that? So after that, we have to clarify the wort. So um, because it's a dusty um, porridgey type uh, mix that you add with water, there's going to mm. be some, you know, and you know, there's protein in the grain as well. So that's got to solidify, and that happens in the mash. Perhaps it happens at you know that temperature range pretty well, as long as the pH range is somewhere between five point two and five point five. And those proteins then we don't necessarily want to go across into the liquid and all the little bits of grain and husk and all the rest of it, we don't want that to come across as well. So the mash is sitting <clears throat> in a um, louder tun or, a, you know, well, in some cases a mash tun, but in, this, in our case we've got a dual vessel. So the louder tun has a false bottom and you draw the liquid through the bottom or through the grain bed basically and pump it back over the top of itself until it becomes clarified. After that time, you then send it to the kettle. Mm. And in the kettle, we boil it for... Well, once it gets into the kettle, we start adding hops and we boil it. And here's a question I like to ask people on tours. Uh, do you know why you boil the wort? No. No. Can you think of any reasons? No. Any reasons? There's like there's six or seven reasons. Say, say that again. Ask the question again, sorry. So the liquid that you extract from the grain... We send into a kettle and you could ferment that, um, but we don't. Uh, some whiskey distillers just send it straight across mm. and start fermenting, for example, because they're very similar uh, sugar base to start with, but we boil it. And there's there's a few reasons we boil it. And when I 
when I take tours and, and when the guys at work take tours, it's um, we ask that of people like, can you imagine or can you understand why we might boil it? Is it mm-hmm. further trying to break down the... No, I wouldn't know. No, it. no, you're, get, you're getting on the right track so you can break down protein. Yeah, you, um, yeah I was going to say like to further break down if there's any left basically. Yeah, yeah so there's that and there's also caramelization of sugars. Yeah. Um, there's sterilization. Mm-hmm. So if you boil the liquid, it becomes sterile. sterile so then yeah. you've got a nice clean um, sugar source to mm-hmm. add your yeast to. Uh, it's for hop utilization. So we add hops for bitterness and flavor and Can aroma. Can I ask, what do you mean by adding hops? Oh, yeah, I should explain what hops are. Um, the hops are a vine, or they call them a vine, but they're a, a, plant, a plant that is closest related to marijuana mm. um, in that it um, has... Like hemp? The, no, more like... more like It, it doesn't grow like hemp or dope. Mm. It, it grows on a, on a vine, a thing mm. called a vine, that mm. wraps around, you know, strings and grows mm. up to five metres or it mm. can wrap around when it's in the wild. It just wraps mm. around trees and grows up trees and stuff. But um, the little bud, the cone... Is what you're after. That's where all the good mm-hmm. stuff is. Just the same with dope. Yeah. Um, not that I know anything about that, but um, <laughs> coming from a brewer, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know a lot of brewers who do know a lot about that. <laughs> we um, to have them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. See if they can bring in some of their wares. Um, yeah. So that that then you know depending on the variety of hop, there mm. you know probably up to a hundred commercially available varieties of hops from around the world depending on the, the country you look at uh, will depend on the flavour profile of that hop. Mm. So um, mm. so then you basically in that hop you'll have a bunch of oils, essential oils, alpha acids, and those oils will give you bitterness, mm. aroma, flavour. Oh, that makes sense. And, you know, the flavour wheel of what those things might taste like might be spicy, might be fruity, mm. might be woody and, and whatnot. Mm. So there's, there's all these different elements from selecting your malt, your malt, Base malts are very simple malts which will have fairly traditional flavours like you might expect in a lager or a very simple pale ale. And then you can get different varieties of malts which will become sweeter. They might be caramel malts, they might be roasted mm-hmm. malts, chocolate malts, and that'll change the colour of your beer as well as the flavour of your beer. So you've got that element to work with to start with. The water profile is another one that we mix in that I won't go too far into because that's um, that's a, an interesting game but also very important too making your base recipe and then you've got hops which there's a huge variety of hops and a huge variety of flavors you can get out of them and how you use them again um will give you a, a vastly different beer and then you've got yeast and your your yeast the way the yeast works and the temperature you fermented at or the variety of yeast the strain of yeast i should say will produce something you know completely different and you get any mm. one of those four ingredients and you change minor elements mm. to it and you can have a completely different beer mm. and so from the start and you're asking before why why I liked brewing and what led me to want to do it. And that was that was one of the things, the creativity and, mm-hmm. and just the variability that you can have. And, and not mm-hmm. that you want variability all the time. You want to aim for consistency, particularly with your core products. But the fact that you can... Play around. You can play around mm-hmm. and you can make something vastly different um, True. just by taking changing one of those elements or a little bit mm-hmm. of those elements, any one of those elements or... Mm-hmm. The temperature that you ferment the yeast at will produce two different beers. Everything else can be the same, but then you you change that. So. Let me ask you this: <clears throat> What are the key components of a good beer, and what part of the brewing process you can tweak? So, let's say alcohol level or flavor. What part mm. can you <clears throat> tweak that? You can tweak any part of it, really. But um, the key, I, I mean, 
to so five elements of whatever. There are is. four, yeah, the four main: mm. um, water, yeast, hops, and malt. And water is basically the, the water profile is based on what the salt makeup that is, I suppose, mm. whether it's got any or none. But the important things to look for in beer, as far as I see it, is uh, consistency um, and drinkability. So if you say you go to the beer shop or the bottle O and you buy a beer and that's the beer that you always go to, you want it to taste the same every time you get it, right? True. Mm. Um, if provided you like that taste and it tastes good. Um, so that's that's really important for me as well as drinkability. So when I was saying before, I, I used to like making wild and wacky things and um, less so now. We still do them but it, it's the old thing that, and a lot of brewers have this as well, um, is that if you can't drink a pint of it, even if it's something like really strong, mm. if you couldn't drink a pint of it, is it worth drinking at all? Mm. Right. Mm. So... I like to drink pints, so um, not that I'm drinking pints of Imperial Stout. <laughs> it's just at 11% or anything like that. But I do like to drink multiples of beers. It's mm. um, it's one of those things. That, you know, I like to have one beer sometimes. I like to have six. Mm. But I think drinkability is really important. And that can be – that's that's a preference, a personal preference mm. thing. So if you find something really drinkable, I might not find that drinkable. Mm. So. It's a variability in the taste. You mm. like. Yeah, and subjective. Right? True. Right. Did you ever go into the history of beer? Did you ever like how was this shit started? Yeah, ever? yeah, yeah. So brewing originally was done by women, um, oh. and the way they did it was to, and I think it was an accidental thing to start with. Perhaps um, it suggested it was accidental because they had grain that uh, basically took when they would harvest grain barley. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the women would be sitting around camp, the men would be off um, hunting. And the, and the women would sit around and chew the grain. Uh, they'd chew the grain, spit it in a bucket and on occasion it would fill up with water mm. and then would start to ferment and they'd drink the liquid and they'd have a bit of fun. Um, and they they understood that that was why it was happening and if they just put the grain in the bucket it wouldn't necessarily do that, it would go rancid. Mm. And the thing that's important to note there that it, is that in, in your mouth there are some of those enzymes which I was talking oh. about before. So um, alpha amylase I think is the one that's in... Um, saliva. I might be wrong, and if anyone listens to this and they they, they can write in and say he was wrong, <laughs> um, but that helps uh, humans break down grains mm. uh, and make the sh- the starches that are in those grains more digestible for our body. And so, if you chew the grain, and then it's also more digestible for le- for yeast. Um, yeast are a fungus like um, organism, but they they need a very simple sugar to to ferment to be able to digest yeah. and convert into alcohol. So. That was the start of it. And then people started over the centuries and millenniums, they started adding different things to it, whether it be spices or in, in today's case, hops um, or nettles or anything like that. So, Was beer the first kind of alcohol humans <coughs> invented or was it wine? I think it was beer. Oh, probably wine because grain mm. came out. Grain came after. with, uh, oh, I don't know actually, hard to say. Because civilization. Uh, I, and I'm not going to give anyone a bloody history lesson, but my understanding of it is in, in what's that valley in Iraq? The, oh, I'll be buggered if I know. Mm. Basically, civilization sprouted out of that out of that valley. And I, my mum would kill me if, she, <laughs> if I couldn't name this, but um, around grain, yeah. basically the harvesting of grain. Yeah. But I imagine that they would have had grapes that would have been growing wild that they would have been collecting uh. and, and drinking. But so grain was the first part so that you could, um, you know, create 
bread and all these other things and then beer came from that. But I imagine people were drinking, you know, grabbing grapes and mm. letting them sit and drinking them after a while. Mm, that's true. So, I don't know. So <clears throat> over your years of doing, how long have you been a brewer for? Uh, since 2010. 2010. Wow. So... What's the best beer out there? It's such a weak question. I, I understand that for the... Oh, that's the, a very subjective question. Yeah, <laughs> it's very subjective. But what, Depends okay. on your taste, yeah. That's yeah, true. yeah. That's true. I like my stouts. I could sit down and just drink stouts and mm. any sort of dark beer, but people prefer to session yeah, pale ales. Pale yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. What is the best beer in your opinion? Let me ask oh, you I don't that. have the best beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Uh, there's always this... As people say sometimes. Um, okay, let me rephrase that question. If someone wants to start drinking beer when they're turned 18, they want to have their first beer, which one they would start with, they should start with? I'd say they're starting a bit late if they're starting at 18. <laughs> <laughs> no, no that's, I wasn't a youth alcoholic or anything like that. But, um, but I think the first beer that I ever drank, just to give you an example, was VB. Mm. I'd say it was VB. Um I may well have drank beer before that. My first, my earliest memory of it is uh, granddad. My granddad used to be a shearer and um, and a bus driver in Sydney. But he, so I grew up in northern New South Wales. He used to catch the train up from Sydney mm. when he was coming to look after look after us, and mum and dad to go away or something like that. So he'd catch the train up, big long train ride. He'd get into the house. He'd rock up with a few long necks of VB. And, you know, the grandkids would sit around him and we'd talk and la-da-da-da-da and he'd have these little cups and he'd fill them up for us and mm. we'd have a drink. And I remember being about seven years old and him filling up the seven cup for me. Seven years yeah, old. Yeah, a couple Weeby. of times. And I loved it. And, yeah. and, and <laughs> mum's like, mum's like. Good parenting right there. Yeah. <laughs> My mum's American. She's like, Joseph, don't feed the boys beer. Yeah. <laughs> we loved it. Um, so that's, <laughs> and that probably wouldn't be considered a good entry-level beer. But um, I think, again, it really depends Did on the person. you guys have fun after their small cup? Ah, I think we probably slept pretty well. But <laughs> hard to say. It wasn't. It wasn't a lot. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a lot. I, I quite liked the business, and and then you know, growing up, my brother and I would get a six pack over Christmas for um, of something special. But it had to be a premium base beer, so I'd always <laughs> get Bogues um, mm. premium. My brother would always get uh, Cascade premium, mm. and again, those more bitter mm. lager type beers are what we enjoyed. And then as we've both grown up, we've gone in and out of stouts mm. and, and IPAs and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I can't recommend something to yeah. try for, because people's, you never know what people are going to like in terms of tastes. You can say, you can say, hey, like at a beer festival when people come up, they say, oh, what, what should I try? And I always say, well, what do you feel like? Do you like sweet? Do you mm. like bitter? Do you like fruity? You know. It's like saying, well, what's the first kind of food you should eat? You know? mm. It's very subjective. Like you like sweet, spicy? or Yeah, what, yeah. Uh, or, you know, what Vietnamese type food should you try for the first time? Or something yeah, like that's that, true. Like a cuisine, yeah. Um, mm. Let me ask you this. How is Australia doing in terms of beer to other countries? Just let <clears> me know. I think, and again, I don't, I, statistically I might be wrong, but I think per capita we've probably got more breweries than... Uh, most places, I think we not in terms of stats or anything, and just in terms of flavor. Have you gone into? Oh right, I was, yeah, because yeah, well, that kind of leads into what I suppose, how many breweries we have, what they're doing, what they're successful at, and mm. um, we do have a lot of breweries per head, uh, which we've always been compared to America in that sense, and the trends that we have in Australia often follow the trends mm. that are in America. 
um, sometimes years later, sometimes to a lesser extent. And I think from when I first started, there was there was a lot of experimentation, but there were only I think about a hundred breweries at the time. And now I again I don't necessarily know what it is. I think it's about eight hundred or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. And the, we had at that time we had six different beers in the pub, six or seven different beers, and that was considered a lot. And we got to do a seasonal beer once, maybe every three months. Um, when we started at Stomping Ground, we started with 16 beers. That was six, like, six years later. We started with 16 beers on tap and quickly ran out of a couple of them and then were brewing the cores as well as seasonals. And by the time, it took about a year to get up to speed and be able to have back to those 16 beers on. But then we were doing seasonals every couple of weeks. So mm. now we've gone... <clears throat> back from that a bit and we're not doing that as much and I think we're not alone in that that a lot of breweries sort of went through this period when there was a lot of growth of trying to do as much as many different styles as they could and now they're sort of back focusing on just as like standard ones yeah the more standard the type most, things the most selling ones basically. yeah pretty much yeah. yeah yeah seasonals aren't selling hugely well at the moment but you see a lot more lager being produced by craft breweries nowadays which mm. when I first started that was scoffed at. People would say, oh, you're not going to brew a bloody mm. lager, are you? Mm. Um, whereas now that's something and I've brought one here today, our Czech Pilsner. But um, that's the beer that I, I like to drink lagers a lot and mm. all my friends in brewing do as well. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people across the world do. It's probably the most drank style that you can find. Not that it's one style, it's a, <laughs> it's a broad um, range of different styles. But. When, when did sours become a thing? Oh, probably 20, oh, I don't know. In America they were they were popular in sort of the 13s and 14s. Mm. We were making them at Stomping Ground in the first year we were brewing mm. and pretty quickly started marketing. Um, but we had, a, we had one of our cores was Watermelon Smash, which is a sour, mm. and I think that was at the end of 2017 or start of 2018. We started canning it and then we did Passion Fruit Smash. But we were making sours, seasonal mm. sours or... What not for tap for two years by that point. So uh, and not to say that we were leaders in in that area, but we were some of the first to be packaging it on a large scale. Mm. Us and, and Hop Nation were doing it as well, and a few, a few others, um, Three Ravens. So uh, we took that leap, and it was very good for us for a mm. few years. But it seems to have declined a bit now. Uh, it on on tap they can be pretty good, uh, pretty successful, but in cans, particularly in winter in Melbourne. Mm. It's, um, very seasonal down here with the sour. So, but yeah, about 2016, they they started taking off uh, from a lot of different brewers in Australia and uh, grew and and now sort of less popular. Mm. It's. Do you think sours are there for people who prefer cider and yeah, absolutely. An entry point into yeah, 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 drinking beer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. We should probably explain what sours are for anyone who doesn't. Yeah, Har- Harman had one not, not that long ago, and he's like, "What's this? Like, what? is it a beer or not?" Like the other day, yeah, yeah. a while ago, okay. yeah. What was it? I can't remember. remember. It was some sort I'm of not... watermelon sour or something, something like something along those lines. It tastes more like a sort of yeah. cider than than a beer. It did it was very bitter. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, <laughs> just like to try. It was bitter. I just like to try new things, just so mm. I have an understanding of what I'm. You know, yeah. drinking. Mm. But uh, I remember uh, I was in Tasmania, and it was my first ever beer. And I was meeting a friend of first mine. ever beer. 
in Tasmania. I was oh, n- not ever. Ever first ever. Really? Yeah. Mm. In Tassie. Um, in Tassie. Oh. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't. I wasn't much of uh, never a big drinker. And he ordered uh, a dark ale. Mm. And the bartender got him a massive jug of this bar. I was like, fuck, that looks manly. He was like, get me a same. <laughs> First ever beer, a dark pale ale. And I was like, holy shit, do people drink this? <laughs> and it was, a, it was I, I had started from the extreme and then got down. I was like, huh, okay, that makes sense. Like, okay. Mm. Yeah. What was that beer? So I wouldn't know, man. It was just dark <laughs> ale. To me, it was just dark. It looked almost black brownish. Mm. So it was a massive dark ale. But I drank it, though. Like, no, nah, I'm not gonna chicken out from here. Well, but it was what would your beer of choice be now that you've been in Australia for a while? Uh, like a type of beer, yeah. Like, like a, what, what would your type I of beer be? I love my pale ales as yeah. well, but uh, I, someone got me uh, Guinness as well the other day. I was like, well, okay, I see like mm. why people are so that's why I asked you, I was like, what country is doing like holy shit, these guys are making amazing beers? Mm. Is it Germans? Is it you know, Belgium's? Yeah, Belgians, Germans, English. Yeah, um, yeah it, I suppose. Mostly dr- beer drinking countries like Belgians, Germans, yeah. English, Australians. Yeah. 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 They're all, I mean, beer culture over there is ingrained in the day to day. So, like a lifestyle. Like a yeah, it really is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you ever been to Oktoberfest? I have not been to, I have been to an Oktoberfest um, mm. in the country. In, Kuma, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, but but never actually in Germany. Yeah, I'd okay. love to go though. Are you from Kuma? Uh, no, no, I'm from um, Canberra actually. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. I feel like we've actually met in a former life. Maybe not in a former. <laughs> I lived in I lived in Canberra for six or seven years. Because I've I've lived in and around country towns like so yeah, okay. Canberra, Yass, uh, yep. Kuma, um, and then uh, Echuca. So yeah, right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I studied there for years and worked in pubs there. Yeah. Was, Dan uh, was pretty excited. It was like uh, someone, a brewer is coming on this podcast. It's like, holy shit, that's good. Because he's always been a beer guy. I've always had beers with Dan. So his yeah. Dan's like my beer nice. buddy. <clears throat> so um, I didn't know that you were making your own beers as well then. Oh, very uh-huh. sort of like from the Cooper's kit, from the, from mm. the cans. And then do you enjoy I mean, that we, part? Sorry? Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Mm. But it was something that sort of passed me by because I – developed other interests mm. over time it's just something i never sort of um kept up with but it was just basically all the work was done for you just open the can and add, just... add the um sugar and... here's a good question um how do you think <clears throat> the beer taste differs from a tap to where the brewery is or when it's packaged and sits at dan murphy's or whatever very different. Very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fresh is best. Mm. How different would it be? Like, what's difference like? Oh, just oh, like that depends on the age of the, the the product you're buying. So, um, and that can be the same if if it's on tap at the venue if it hasn't been a quick mover. But um, any as soon as you put as soon as you finish beer and you either keg it or can it, it's um, it's basically on a countdown to not being any good anymore. How long mm. does a beer last, basically? Or it, do you think it should last? Yeah, again, that that is style mm. specific because you can have a really high strength, um, rich, dark imperial stout that might last years and taste great for years, the same with a barley wine or something mm-hmm. like that. But you might have a, you know, a 4% hazy pale ale that really won't taste very good after two months. 
Mm. And that's that's just a nature of the things that go into that beer, the alcohol content and how or how those things that are added, like the hops are added to that beer um, and how quickly they break down because everything has a, you know, has a life. Mm, and True. And whether it's the, the flavours that you're getting out of those hops have a very limited life for, for tasting really good, they as even if they're in a beer that's got very low oxygen, they will start to break down mm. and, and oxidise themselves uh, and um, start tasting pretty rough. So fresh is best for things hoppy. Mm. For lagers, you can generally <clears throat> go up to a year. I reckon most big German breweries only put about a year on their bottle. But any, anything other than that, some um, Imperial Stouts and Belgian beers, you can usually last a couple of years pretty well. What do you think stomping ground brewery is doing differently than other breweries? in Victoria or in Australia? Uh, I don't know. Hard to say. Um, <clears throat> Have you been around to the other breweries just, just yeah, to yeah. see? Yeah, I, I drink other people's beer all the time. Um, I got I got called a trader last night because <laughs> we had people over for dinner and I had someone else's beer in the fridge. Uh, but um, I don't know. I suppose when we, when we first opened, we were one of the, the few uh, venues, like big, Big venues that mm. had brewing on site. Now there are now there are quite a few, um, and a few in our neighbourhood as well, which is great um, because the more you've got in an area, mm. the more attraction you'll get of people coming to that area. So that's really cool. So we're not really different there. I think the we've got you know similar number of core range beers like a lot of breweries have. Um, I mean, the state of the industry at the moment is in in a bit of a slump, so. Like everyone, we're not we're not really super willing to go out there and. Wait, go. What makes you say that that it's the industry is going down? It's not. <clears throat> I, I don't. I hesitate to say it's going down, but there's there's definitely a, a drop in sales across the board, and a lot of our friends and other breweries are saying the same thing from packaged product. Keg sales are really good, and venues are mm. and venues are doing really good, which is fantastic, and that's a better place to be. But um, when you're packaging product and sending it out to to some of the chains, it's um. It's really only the cores that are selling well, so the beers that you do all the time. Mm. Uh, in our case, the, the Gip Street Pale and the Hazy Pale and the, the IPA and the Lager. But um, anything that's seasonal isn't selling so well. So and so in that respect, we're kind of not really... We're, the only thing... What we're doing is is trying to limit the craziness at the moment until, until the market picks up again and people decide to buy a bit more... Um, but we're not alone in doing that. So mm. <laughs> marketing wouldn't be happy with that answer. I, I, don't, I can't really think of anything at the moment that's uh, that's super unique. Mm. Okay. Consistency is great. <laughs> <sighs> so kegs taste better than the packaged ones? Mm. It's all age dependent. Oh, okay. Because they, they get open up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's there's usually less oxygen that can get into the beer during kegging than they can be in canning. Again, it depends on the size of the brewery and the equipment that you have. But um, in a really big big brewery, you, your oxygen pickup in, because oxygen is bad for alcohol, your oxygen pickup in canning will be really minimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in most breweries our size, it can be uh, pretty sort of moderate or low moderate or in some cases significant depending on whether there's a failure and there's a lot more variability. We're pretty good. We've got some pretty high standards, so we we monitor it throughout the throughout a packaging run. And if we get above our threshold, we we shut everything down and, and check it and whatnot. But um, 
typically we put six months on our hoppy beers and we shelf life shelf life test everything as those six months go and then yeah and further and pass that date as well up to a year um with the kegs we don't really need to do that because they tend to sell out in you know a matter of a month or month Mm. and a half so six weeks at max which Mm. is which is good and that's where you want to be how talk to us about your mentor who you know helped you get into brewing how big of an impact he had on you pretty big i spent a lot of time with him um and it was only over a fairly short period so there were two of us that started uh sean blissett who's now at wayward uh in sydney so we we were both in the gong he'd just finished uni i was still kind of well into my just starting my engineering degree um and we both took on the job we both worked in the bar and um he for the first sort of six months we spent a lot of time with him and he's a (laughs) he's a pretty He's a big character, so um, <laughs> excuse you. Uh, <laughs> he's a big character, so he had a pretty big impact on us. But the things that were, you know, the, the main points that he drove home, and, and this is at a time when it was not easy to get into. Like the, we kind of fell into that role, both of us, and now we're both um, running breweries in, in different cities. But uh, he stressed the importance of drinkability, consistency, and cleaning all the time and so and he had a really good palate so he could he could describe how flavors were going to perform like or how, mm. how different ingredients were going to perform in a, in a product and um and you're always learning at that but it was he, he opened up our way of thinking i suppose my way of thinking about how things would would taste in the end product and what little changes would do to make that and you know constantly getting you to think about it he'd spend a lot of time thinking about it so um yeah, so I suppose that's a pretty big impact. But we, we got along really well. And when I moved down here in 2015, uh, when I left Illawarra, because the brewery changed names in that time, uh, we didn't have a brewery to go into yet. The equipment had arrived from China, but um, our site wasn't uh, – we didn't have the permits basically to start the build. So uh, I gave him a ring and he had work and so I worked for him for a year as well as working in the bar at um, Stomping Ground – the business stomping around all signs, which is the local tap house down in St Kilda. You might know it actually if you you do oh. a bit of stand up comedy. Yeah, yeah, local. Yeah, yeah. So um, I worked there. I may have seen you there. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So that was six, six or seven years ago. I used to work. <laughs> always used to work a comedy session with Janet down in the bottom bar. It's very possible. Yeah, very possible. Yeah, it's very fun. Um, so yeah, I worked there for a year as well. So in between there and Mornington, just travelling. But um, so and we got along really well. We also argue terribly, which is hilarious. Mm. But just <laughs> it's good to have a mentor, you know, that just, oh, yeah. just guides you. Yeah, we still talk regularly. Oh, um, awesome, man! Yeah, tell me this. <clears throat> In when the technology has advanced, how the advancement in technology has made an impact on beer brewing, like the technology that was used before. You know, let's say 50 years ago, maybe 60 years ago versus what we have now. Mm. It, has that made an impact on beer brewing? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that's a, like, I mean, that's a pretty broad um, sort of question because you could say, you know, technology to do with... Uh, pretty much everything. Well, pretty much everything, like how varieties of grain that are grown, for example, and, and just the breeding process for making grains that will have... Better growing because we can do hybrid grains as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's constant yeah. development of grain in Australia. <laughs> mm. 
Um, some of your more traditional styles of grain, like Marisota, for example, they might be about, I think uh, one of my brewers would definitely know this because he knows a lot about English beer, but I think that was developed for brewing in England maybe probably only about 70 years ago. But mm. that still used there fairly widely in, um, in a lot of pale ales and, and porters and stouts and brown ales and that sort of thing because it's a and, – and we do tend to try and use that grain when we make our um, – our English style beers, and because it presents in a certain way, so that was developed. That's that's a techno, you know, technological improvement, I suppose. And then you can go the same for yeast and the same for uh, hops, because a lot there's been a lot of change. Even in the last twenty years, it's been huge change, particularly in America, um, with the different varieties of hops that are grown, but also the extraction methods for pre-brewing extraction methods for getting some of those flavors out of those out of those ingredients and then you can go on to equipment and uh, absolutely like it's <laughs> you can go on to everything um and, and look at every part of it so it's there's there's constant improvement and there's been a lot of change but i think the basic um, mechanics of it in terms of using hot water to extract the sugar from the grain for most breweries hasn't really changed, changed. Um, it's just those how those ingredients are used, with the with the exception of the hops, where there's a lot of different, a lot of different products. Um, yeah, the mechanics of of actually still making the base liquid are very very much the same now as they were, you know, a thousand years ago. You were doing an engineering degree, right? If mm. you weren't a brewer, what would you have been doing? If not this, then what? <clears throat> I I would God, fuck oh, if I know. Um, I I was doing environmental engineering. And I'd, I'd wanted to do that for some time. Uh, I studied arts my first degree in Canberra, um, political science and Spanish majors, although my Spanish now is very, very rough. But um, finished that and travelled overseas and came back and, and got into engineering, which I'd wanted to do And because I spent a lot of time in, in the outdoors and I still do. Um, my wife and I, our little baby girl, go hiking all the time and it's yeah. um, something we enjoy doing. And growing up in a rural area... And having, and you know, most of my time when we go back home to see my family's outside, spend outside, whether it's camping, um, fishing or hunting or whatever, hiking. And uh, so for me, the environment is, you know, uh, I spend so much time in and I'd like to see it looked after. And so um, being from a rural community and seeing some of the, some of the big mines that were, you know, starting in those certain areas, I was thinking, well, look, you know, fair enough, there's an industry for it. It's going to happen regardless. I'd like to see the earth repaired in those areas where there's going to be mm. uh, a lot of mining done and um, made usable again. And it at that time there was a bit of a growth in that sector and a lot of the guys that I was studying with went up north, um, went over to WA or whatnot and, and got jobs as environmental engineers and just, you know, just in rehab or repurposing land. So... Then there was a bit of a flop, a flop in the market. As as my degree finished, that was already on a downward sort of trend because there was a bit of a drop in, in iron ore and coal exports at that time. And so I probably would have stayed as a civil engineer for some time, um, which was not my preferred position. There were some there were some elements of that that were environmental, and uh, <laughs> particularly sitting behind a desk. And so, um, if you didn't meet Andrew. You, like I think that was a life-changing moment for you. Yeah, absolutely. Think about it. Oh, huge. Hmm. Yeah, huge. Because <clears throat> it that just puts you on a different trajectory, which mm. um, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Here and would have been somewhere else. Would have been somewhere very different, I think. 
Yeah. It was interesting because like, the, the fellow I worked with at um, Site Plus in Wollongong, his name was Andrew as well. Mm. And fairly early on when I, I was finishing my degree and so I hadn't fully decided what I was going to do mm-hmm. and I was sort of toying up, tossing up I should say, going to somewhere in central New South Wales or Queensland or perhaps WA um, at a stretch and doing a few years engineering and then coming back and and moving somewhere close to where I grew up and potentially starting a brewery, but I needed the cash to begin with. And so I just started engineering. It was a couple of weeks in and I got a phone, I got a message one day from from my now um, boss, Steve Jeffers and, and the founder, and he said, if you ever want to move to Melbourne, which I'd also toyed up, he said, oh, I've um, come speak to me because I might have an opportunity for you. And so I was pretty intrigued and I mentioned it to Andrew and so he, he was a, pretty avid home brewer and he'd done a lot of all grain brewing and we got along really well in that respect but um after a couple of weeks i'd come down to melbourne and, and chatted with steve and um for anyone who's met steve he's he's pretty enthusiastic uh, when he's got an idea and he really runs with it and so that i came away from that meeting pretty excited for the right reasons and uh came back and, and told andrew about it and i'd sort of said you know after a few months he'd said oh look if you want to take you know, if you want to take on a full-time position here, you can have it and you can be on X amount each year, which was significantly higher than what I was going to move down here to get on. Um, and he said, but if I was you, I wouldn't be so fucking stupid and I'd go down there and brew. Um, That's true. And he said, because you're not going to enjoy what I'm doing. He said, I hate my job. <laughs> I was like, really? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, not all of it, but it's just like, you know, I'm not passionate about it the way you are, so... Yeah. That was going to be my next question. That do you look forward to what you do every day? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's very rare, man. People mm. don't. People don't get that. No. Mostly, people don't get that. No, I spend too much time at work, um, and <laughs> probably right. and probably a lot of it. Ah, oh, some days it's kind of like not well utilized, but it's just because I'm not, you know, like, and I know home. that I've got to get home, and, mm. and I'm, but I'm keen mm. to get home and see my wife and baby as well. But it's um, yeah, it's, I'm very comfortable at work, so. Yeah, it's good. It's a good place to be in. That's awesome, man. Look, I don't have any other questions, Dan. Let's try another beer. All right, sure. Yeah, let's try hazy. The hazy, hazy, yeah. hazy pale, big sky. Do can, do you know? Do you have reason why it was uh, named Gip Street? Yeah, the brewery's on the brewery's on Gip Street. Gip Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> this beer is hilarious. It's, uh, it gets called all manner of things. Um, Gip Street, Gip Saint. Or Gips Saint, so um, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's that's it. One of our cores. It's South Lake Chip beer. It's delicious. The next one is a hazy pale. Hazy pale. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So, what's the idea behind hazy pale ales or hazy <clears> beers <throat> in general? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny one. I. I fought back about making a hazy for a long time, uh, which was becoming a real laughing point amongst the team and whatnot. But uh, we decided we were going to make a hazy beer mm-hmm. a few years ago and we did quite a bit of product development on mm. this um, with uh, the brewers and uh, our head of sensory and uh, QC. And the beer came out pretty well. None of us really enjoyed hazies that much, but on this process and getting making something, we, we quite... We ended up quite enjoying them. But uh, basically, a hazy 
B is a, whether it's a parallel or an IPA or something like that, is uh, a beer with similar characteristics to what your standard parallel or IPA would be. But, excuse me, as the name says, it's hazy. Mm. And the way to get that haze um, can be a variety of different things. When they were first being made, people were doing all sorts of crazy shit like throwing flour in the kettle and hoping that that would stay suspended. Huh. This is... So, Gip Street had a very strong flavour. <clears throat> yeah, this is this is much more subtle, more smooth, more smooth. Mm, yeah, that's that's one benefit of hazies. In some cases, in some cases, they can be quite astringent. But some people describe it as a pillowy mouthfeel, soft mouthfeel. Yeah, mm. <clears throat> mm. yeah. So, and that this is going to sound stupid, but it has a lychee flavour a little bit. Lychee, lychee. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, and that's there's one of the hops in there that will. Oh, present right. a bit like that, yeah. Awesome. Mm. I'm glad I got that. Yeah. <coughs> right, cool. That's one of my favourite hops. I also get bagged out for using it all the time. <laughs> what would your go-to beer be in winter? Mm. I, the things that I really enjoy, and I haven't actually drank any uh, in recent weeks, I think I really enjoy drinking in winter if I'm just sitting around the house Um you know, it's a rainy day and I'm mm. reading a book or something like that, would be a Belgian beer, mm. like Rochefort 8 or 10, uh, just magical beers. Mm. And so I really enjoy those as well as um, Vesmal Triple or um, what do you call it, uh, Carmelite Triple or something mm. like that. I just really enjoy the yeast character, the alcohol and um, and you don't, you know, you don't neck those beers quickly. They're, no. they're, con- they're the beers you sort of contemplate. Something you have to... Savor, <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. And I still have a couple of them, but yeah, you, you stand up feeling pretty wobbly after a few, yeah, uh, being at about 10. percent <laughs> Is it possible to make your own beer at home without those kits? Yeah, yeah, god, yeah, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. You can get the whole grain, you, there's a bit of equipment you'd need to do it, and um, the folks at uh, Grain and Grape can help you out with that for anyone who's interested in trying it, um, or or I think Keg King and. Kegland and stuff like that, but all you um, need is like a space, like a good shed mm, or something like mm, that. Yeah. yeah, you need a bit of space. How long would it take you to just get the final product from scratch if you have the equipment? It's the same amount of time as for us. Mm. So it's still two weeks as as a rough like. So if you look at ales, a rough sort of timeline, you mm. get it two weeks or thereabouts. Um, and for a lager, three weeks plus, mm-hmm. and that's just because of the the speed at which the yeast ferments. Mm. So. So if you're not drinking the times you're not drinking beer, what are you drinking? Whiskey? Yeah, everything. Mm. No, I <laughs> I just love booze. Um, I drink. Love booze. Yeah, yeah. I drink a lot. I drink a lot of different things. Uh, my wife and I enjoy a lot of wine, um, but we also both enjoy whiskey, which is fantastic. We've got some common likes there. But I mean, I, I. The things that I really look forward to and that I savour are, are wines hmm. and and different types of whiskey, but for different reasons. So. I was, yeah. I started with the wine. The first drink I ever had was a wine. Mm. And uh, ever since I've been just a fan, I was in, again in Tasmania. When, uh, <laughs> I, had, I don't know why everything had started. a revelation started down there or something. Yeah. 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 Was uh, it during Dark Mofo or something? <laughs> no, actually, I, I never drank before that. 
And I was like, man, I'm in Tasmania. Like, uh. you know, it's got one of the mm. best wines or one of the best beers or blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm, if I don't try shit here, I might as well mm. try it. So that's why I was like, sure. Yeah, Tassie, I, I, my wife's from Tassie. Um, and we spent quite a bit of time down there, but I really do in drinking enjoy drinking in Tassie and I don't yeah. know why it's like that maybe it's because we're on a holiday mode when we're there as well. nothing there to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, there's a lot to do there. There's, there's plenty of hiking and plenty yeah. of fishing and that sort of thing that you can do and if you want to jump into the water and go get abalone and stuff like that, if you're mad enough to do that, it's, it's pretty good for that too. Yeah, I spent two weeks in Tassie. Amazing. Loved it. I mm. love landscape photography. Oh, it's yeah. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. One to, to go to the East Coast? Uh, what is East Coast? Uh, St. Helens. Binlong Bay, that sort of area, yes. Bishano. Yeah. Bay of Fires. Bay of Fires, yes, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. And you would have yeah. gone to Wineglass Bay if you were for Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Wineglass Bay. That's and where I proposed my life, actually. Oh, beautiful, yeah. man. Yeah. Amazing place. Uh, what was my highlight of the trip? Highlight of the trip was Cradle Mountain for me. Yeah, Because cool. it, was, it was raining. Yeah. And when we got there, it was autumn season. So mm. the whole valley, the whole mountains were just like orange and yellows. Really? Orange and yellows. Beautiful. Yeah, cool. Beautiful weather. It was just dark gray skies. That, and it just it looked amazing, man. What was the tree that was turning? Because we don't we do have um one in in Yeah, the the alone tree on the is that that's Bay of Fires, if I'm no 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 no. I was just thinking of the type of deciduous tree that we have that is in Tassie. Oh. It's the oh what do you call it? I forget mm. the name of it. The one that would have been changing colour like that. There's yeah. the, we have it in Tasmania and the only other place we find it is in Chile. Oh, wow. Very similar tree. I didn't know that. Awesome. And I haven't given it justice because I can't think of the name of it. It'll come back. <laughs> we'll look it up. We'll look it up. Yeah, so. yeah. But, yeah, so the whole place was just, you know, orange and yellows and I was like, man, this is mm. This is awesome. So it was my first time there. I spent two weeks and just. Did you get to the top of Cradle Mountain? No, we didn't. No, it was raining because I was like, oh, I don't want to risk it. No, fair enough. Yeah. Are there any uh, recipes you're currently messing around with? Um, yeah, what are we doing? We've got a couple of things on the go. Uh, another one is just kind of a repeat of a beer that we've already done, mm-hmm. but we're toying up um, different hop additions with it mm-hmm. and it's just a seasonal IPA that we bring back every once in a while. <laughs> Excuse me. And... Other than that, there's a couple of little things that we're going to do. Um, oh, bloody hell, excuse me. Burping away there. Uh, there's there's an event we're going to in a couple of weeks' time where we've got a pretty exciting beer that mm. was uh, not something new, something we made mm. years ago that we put in barrel. And when I tried it at the time, after about four months in barrel, I thought, oh, geez, that's not quite right. It tastes like it's got a wild yeast infection. And so I just left it. And then tasted it again last year and I said, oh, it's getting better. And then left it and tasted mm. it again this year. And and three of us, three of the leadership team tasted it together and we're like, holy shit, this is good. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, and that is an old recipe, high alcohol beer, sat in a whiskey barrel. Mm. It was one of the gospel rye whiskey barrels actually. Mm. Um, sat in that for, for a couple of years and with a bit of a wild yeast character to it. And it's very subtle but it's really turned out very well. Um other than that, oh, what do we have coming up? Oh, no, <laughs> it's probably going to sound boring. We're, we're going to do a mid-strength in spring. So we're moving towards mm-hmm. that and then we're going to do variations on that mid-strength, which I won't, I won't go too far into. But mm-hmm. And, again, that's not truly wild and wacky, but that's just to try and get into an area where people are finding themselves wanting to drink mid-strengths mm-hmm. and, and lower alcohol beers, not completely zero alcohol mm-hmm. beers. So, yeah. 
What do you think the mo- the mass population of Australia loves to drink? What kind of beer? Just oh, just just a ballpark. Just so. <laughs> Unfortunately, Great Northern. Um, but yeah, lagers. Lagers. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not a, and I don't want to bag out the guys from, <laughs> from Carlton because we get along really well yeah. with them. But I really don't like Great Northern. It's it's strange, sort of broadening your palate with craft beer, then going back to, you know, Carlton and. Yeah. DB and all, yeah. And, yeah. and a lot of those beers have their place, and I yeah. actually, and I'll, I'll drink, yeah. um, I'll drink Phoebe over any of them, mm. to be honest, because it's probably got a bit more bite and or Melbourne bitter, something like that. Mm. I do enjoy those beers, and when I'm in Queensland, uh, I'll drink Forex. I don't have a problem mm. with that because when it's bloody thirty degrees and humidity's at one hundred percent, it's not much better. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's a time and a place for all types of beers. There are certain beers that I just really do not like, and. Mm. and that, Number one is the one I really do not like. <laughs> Number one sold beer in Australia. I do not like. But uh yeah. I'm I'm clearly on the on the out of there because everyone loves it. Yeah. We'll we'll wrap up in a second, if unless you have any other questions. But um you were beer brewer of the year last year. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what was that like? What what was that sort of what validation did that give you? Uh it was it was like it was really nice to be honest, uh, and it was a, it came as a complete mm. surprise because I I got a phone call about it and they said oh you know beer and brew want to do a shoot with you they want to do a story with you um you've just been nominated <coughs> the brewer of the year and yeah. I was like by who <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> who's voted in this thing mm. and I didn't enter oh you don't enter oh okay cool that's nice um so it was it was good and. I had a look afterwards at the list of people who were the people who were deciding. There was mm. roughly twenty people um, from the industry, brewers, um, and just and just beer commentators mm. and that sort of thing, um, writers and whatnot. So that was that was really nice, and I was you know it was quite flattered about that. And but I mean, it it was validation, I suppose, in some part for for me, but it was also uh, really good validation for the brewery and what we'd done. So that um, in the previous couple of years, it, it was pretty tough during COVID. And like we're not alone there. A lot of breweries mm. really struggled, particularly breweries that had venue side operations like we did. And so during that time, we, 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 we staffed down, like not so much we didn't get rid of anyone. Thankfully, we kept, we kept most of our team. A couple of people left mm. um, to go to different work or to move town. But um, we kept most of our team and we really focused on we were able to slow down a little bit because the growth before that had been pretty crazy and we focused on quality and um, just development of already available products. And one of the key goals that uh, my head of QC and I had was to, and she'd sort of said it, she, she said oh, in one of her reviews I want to do, Lindsay Astorita, I want to make all our core beer, beers win gold mm. at the... Um, at the Australian International Beer Awards. And I said, bloody hell, that's a pretty big goal. <laughs> <laughs> and a year later we had. And it was it was a hell of an achievement. And that was last year in, in 2022. Um, and, and that's when we got nominated for mm. Best Medium Brewery at the International Beer Awards. And, and the six months before we'd been, we'd won Best Large Brewery at the Independent Brewers Association, so the IBAs. Uh, so we'd had two consecutive fairly big wins or biggest wins you can get kind of in the industry. And so that was fantastic. And that was a great reflection of the whole team just putting in such a massive effort. And I suppose as a result of that, I 
got noticed and then was nominated mm. for Brewer of the Year. But it wasn't, you know, and as I said in the article, uh, in the interview, it was not, you know, it's it's in part because of a lot of what I've done, but it's also just the enthusiasm mm. and the team that I work with and how dedicated they are to the product as well as the the brand and, the t- and you know, just the overall team, mm. the family. Um, so, yeah, that was, a, that was great validation, but it was also just I was super proud of everyone mm. uh, in getting that, so... But yeah, it's a funny, it's a funny sort of title. Yeah, <laughs> got, Brewer of the year. But yeah, yeah other guy, <laughs> we've got some guys in the pack team. Um, very funny guys. Uh, a couple of skaters, and they made us. <laughs> they found a photo of me from years ago. Mm. And they printed it off the computer, and they then they cut out a little. We've got this product. We we had this range. We still have it. Mm. But we haven't done it for a little while. Called Into the Wood. Mm. And there's a description of the beer and then there's my signature on it. Yeah. So they cut that label with my signature. They cut this little signature out and they stuck it on this picture of me that they printed out in black and white and they found a frame. So I don't know where the hell they found a frame from. So I came in that morning and, and they were like, how you going, Bodie? And I was like, what are you talking about, Bodie? So Brewer of the Year, B-O-T-Y. And they wrote, they wrote Bodie on top of the picture, had that picture there and then stuck my autograph on it. I was like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, very funny, guys. But, um, Listen, man, this was amazing. Like, we made made the whole podcast about beer, but we've it's, had... It's education. Are you buzzy? Are you guys buzzy yet? Or maybe it's just me. It's just you because <laughs> maybe I just, you don't I, drink I that often. Yeah, I don't drink that often, yeah. Uh, that's good. Uh, yeah, sorry, I might have gone a bit over on the, the I'm, detail. No, I'm having PTSD. They, we did an episode with one of our friends. His name's Milan. I, I started listening to <laughs> oh, that no. and I was getting a bit nervous. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't finish listening yeah, to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I can see <laughs> where this is We did an going. episode of Milan. We can handle this. Oh, 100%. <laughs> so he bought a bottle of glacier alcohol, which was 50% alcohol. Yeah. And in traditional glacier ritual, that beer, when you pour into shard glasses, it's supposed to be burned. So if you burn it for two minutes, it's 40%. If you burn it for three minutes, it's, I don't know, 30%. If you burn yeah, right. it for five minutes, it's 20% alcohol. <clears throat> we didn't had lighter. So it's like, <laughs> fuck it. We're just going to drink 50% out glacier. And it has the viscosity of a cough syrup. It was thick. What's, it was, a, what's the main flavor of it? I don't know. Man. It tasted remember. like death. It tasted like death. That was the flavor. <laughs> wow. And we finished, <laughs> we finished the whole bottle, I think it went half an hour. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Three of us, shots mm. after shot after shot after shot. Oh. Milan is sort of notorious for, for that. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a professional partier. <laughs> yeah. And I don't I, remember the rest of the night. Yeah, I got I got that vibe after listening to it for about two minutes. I'm like, oh, this is stressful. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it, the whole episode is just us doing shots, cleaning yeah. bottles, and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was a fun episode. Fun, and shout out to Milan. Yeah, yeah. But thank you again, man. Thank you for bringing the beer. Thank you for bringing the merch as well. No worries. No, and no. we wish you all the luck. Around the, yeah. And uh, let's give a massive shout out to Stomping Ground Brewery. This is amazing. I love the Hazy Pale. Great. Uh, just mm. my personal. Dan, what do you think? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Which one? Hazy's, it, Hazy isn't usually my go to beer, mm-hmm. but I. I do like this one. Yeah. Maybe just as me. I should have brought you a stout or a porter or something. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. Like, thank you for bringing you anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, then let's wrap this up, man. Yeah. If you cool. have any other questions. Oh, good. Oh, good. Thank you all for right. coming. No worries. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody. Cheers.